0: Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our Insights series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more Insight series updates, and as always, like, subscribe and share.
1: Hello and welcome to SibLine's podcast series. I'm Liana Semchuk, Lead Europe and Eurasia Analyst, and I'm joined today by Louis Cox-Brusso and Zofia Wolford, our Europe Analysts, to discuss the latest developments in Hungary, Poland, and the broader Visegrad grid region, specifically as they relate to the ongoing and intensifying tensions with the EU over rule of law concerns. Louis and thank you both for joining me. So both Hungary and Poland have in particular been scrutinized by the EU in recent years over issues relating to independence of the judiciary branch, insufficient anti-corruption reforms, and other broader democratic standards. But it seems that in recent weeks, concerns over these issues have increased. Could you please talk a bit more about the current state of affairs in the Visegrad region, and have there been any significant developments in the rule of law debate between these countries and the European institutions?
2: Thanks, Leonor. So issues related to the rule of law, good governance and media freedoms remain quite a sensitive issue across much of the Visigrad 4. In the Czech Republic at present, there has been a moderate improvement in the variety and quality of independent media platforms, particularly since 2015. Unfortunately, this has been partially rolled back during the pandemic due to the financial impacts on uh, independent media and small firms, which means at the current moment, there's a fairly substantial portion of the Czech Republic's media is thought to be vulnerable to external pressure, whether from political actors or from business groups. This has been linked to the ownership of a fairly large part of the Czech media base by the current Prime Minister Andrzej Babis. Elsewhere in Poland, the ongoing rule of law debate has been significantly exacerbated by the recent ruling of the Polish Constitutional Tribunal against a previous ruling by the European Court of Justice that so-called anti-democratic practices in the Polish judiciary were contrary to European law. In response, the Polish Constitutional Tribunal has declared that the ECJ's ruling is incompatible with the Polish constitution. Obviously, in, while in the short term this increases the risk of political tensions between Brussels and Warsaw, and Warsaw it also fits a longer term trend of the alignment between the EU institutions and Poland. Some opposition, Polans, opposition politicians in Poland have warned that the uh, controversial judicial reforms being enacted by the current law and uh, justice government would, will distance Poland even further from the EU and potentially an exit from the bloc um, at large, although this remains unlikely given that the Polish government is still very reliant on EU funding. However, of course, in the short term, this does mean that political tensions with the EU will remain at an all-time high
3: for the foreseeable future. In July, the European Commission released its annual rule of law report in which it it identified several challenges that Hungary is facing, including the limited scope of the Hungarian anti-corruption strategy and inadequate judicial independence as well. Consequently, the EU has also extended the deadline for the assessment of Hungary's recovery plan until the end of September, citing concerns that Hungary might not be able to ensure transparent use of funds and independent oversight. Additionally, the European Commission launched legal proceedings against Hungary recently because of uh, the country's adoption of a new anti-LGBTQ bill, banning LGBTQ content from schools and from TV shows for uh, children. In Hungary, general elections will be held next spring, therefore it is highly likely that the Hungarian government will continue to use a hostile rhetoric towards Brussels ahead of the elections, and tensions are likely to remain elevated in the coming months.
1: Great, thank you. And so, one thing that we have alluded to already and have also seen more of recently is that governments in both Hungary and Poland, in particular, appear to have been tightening their grip over independent media and have indicated that they may also look to impose stricter regulation on the activities of big tech and media organizations operating within their borders. Can you speak a little bit more about this trend and how is this likely to develop?
3: Yes, thanks Rihanna. So the Hungarian government has long sought to control the domestic media, putting media pluralism and freedom in danger. Media ownership concentration in the country is very high, especially since the 2018 establishment of a media foundation called Casma, that transferred the ownership of 470 Hungarian media outlets to the government-controlled body. Concerning big tech and social media, Populist voices, both in Hungary and elsewhere, have spread the narrative that social media outlets are censoring conservative voices. And therefore, Hungarian Justice Minister uh, Judith Varga recently raised the possibility that Hungary will look to regulate social media, especially Facebook. But it will be unlikely because since then, the Justice Minister was uh, silent on the topic and probably... The Hungarian government has realized that it is quite difficult to regulate social media on a national level. And probably the Hungarian government will wait for a new European Union regulation concerning big tech and social media as well.
2: So in Poland, there's been a fair amount of movement on this since January this year, shortly after the capital storming in the US. There's been a lot of movement from far-right groups attempting to push for stronger controls by the government on what's perceived as more more liberal media, uh, particularly in terms of of, uh, social media. There was a very, very short-lived attempt to introduce a uh, quote-unquote replacement for Facebook from the Polish side, Karl Dikla. Obviously, this hasn't taken off as had been hoped. Nevertheless, the states of Social media in Poland still remains under some question, given that Poland has strongly supported the EU's attempts to, to introduce more regulations on social media and has discussed possibly looking at introducing its own bill, attempting to regulate big tech and perceived liberal and or independent social media in the next few years. Elsewhere, it's been a slightly difficult time in some respects for Western business to invest in media operations in Poland, given that the government is increasingly looking at trying to limit the activities of organizations perceived to be to espouse more liberal ideas, particularly related to LGBT rights and or women's rights, it's something that we've seen reflected in protests earlier in November 2020, when groups tried to protest against the Polish government's crackdown on LGBT rights, and it's something that we might see more of in the future.
1: Great. Thank you both. And regarding the ongoing Pegasus surveillance scandal, could you briefly talk about this event and how is this likely to impact firms operating in Hungary and indeed in the broader Visegrad region?
3: A joint international investigation showed that the Pegasus software was used to monitor journalists, um, some workers of state institutions, politicians, and business owners in uh, Hungary. This suggests that the surveillance operation had a domestic scope primarily, and as of now, there is no indication that foreign firms and business stakeholders were targeted as well. Since the news broke, it is even less likely that that the Hungarian state institutions will use such surveillance techniques against foreign nationals with businesses and investments in the country. So the threat to foreign businesses in terms of surveillance will likely remain low in the country.
1: Finally, are there any other risks or challenges that businesses operating in Hungary or the wider region are likely to face in the coming months? Are there any events to watch out for, specific issues that may develop into concrete threats that you can foresee?
3: Well, in Hungary, the recently adopted anti-LGBTQ law mostly targets domestic stakeholders, including NGOs, businesses, media outlets, and publishing companies as well. Nevertheless, general elections will be held next year, as I already mentioned, so it is possible that the Hungarian government will intensify its anti-LGBTQ agenda. And some openly pro-LGBTQ foreign businesses can be impacted as well, and they could also face some reputational risks. Although it remains unlikely that the government will systematically target foreign firms in the country, probably their narratives will be focused on domestic NGOs and other domestic actors.
2: Yep. just to add to that, in the wider Visigrad region, the impact on business from the ongoing vaccination campaign in the Czech Republic looks to be fairly minimal. The government is trying to induce extra um, initiatives for, to support vaccination, which is currently stalling at about 49% of the, of the population. Unfortunately, there's a growing amount of anti-vaccine sentiment in the Czech Republic and Slovakia, which poses something of a threat to businesses involved in pharmaceuticals or businesses who are perceived to be involved in the of or shipping of vaccines. Otherwise, more broadly, uh, anti-corruption protests remain a potential low-level risk in Slovakia, particularly uh, following the uh, governmental instability earlier this year. In the Czech Republic, we're looking at seeing the general election later this year which is expected to manifest a significant number of anti-government protests, specifically those targeting the current Prime Minister. This shouldn't have much of an impact on business in the short term, although historically anti-Babish protests have gained a lot of of, uh, support. So there's, again, a a possibility of minor disruption to public transport, shipping and potentially in uh, metropolitan centres.
1: Thank you both very much for your time, and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. We are now joined by Edward Johnson, Head of Global Intelligence, who will provide an overview of upcoming key global events to look out for in the week ahead.
0: Thanks, Liana. One of the most notable events of the the week ahead uh, and the weekend is the 8th of August closing ceremony of the Tokyo Olympic Games. While this may attract a small number of anti-games protests, these are likely to be peaceful in nature and aren't really expected to cause any notable disruption to this curtain-closing event. Elsewhere in Asia, South Korea and uh, the United States are reportedly finalizing plans for their annual summertime joint military exercises, which typically take place from around mid-August. The drills could undermine recent efforts to improve inter-Korean relations. Uh, While a line between Pyongyang and Seoul has been reconnected, Kim Jong-un's influential sister has expressly been warned against these military drills. However, if the drills take place in the form of a virtual simulation, as was the case earlier this spring, the impact on inter-Korean ties is, is likely to be thought to be less significant. Moving across to Europe, between the 11th and 15th of August in the Netherlands, XR are planning to stage a climate camp in in Amsterdam. This will comprise of various training workshops, live music, and direct actions are likely, with the group focusing on opposing construction of a new distribution centre in Amsterdam itself. Direct action at Schiphol Airport is also possible, which obviously would have a disruptive impact uh, on the airport's operations potentially. Looking out a little further afield over the remainder of August, On the 23rd of August, Argentina will receive $4.3 billion from the the IMF as part of an effort to uh, stabilise the country's economic uh, situation. Despite this disbursement of funds, currency volatility and high inflation will remain features of economic life ahead of the November 14th uh, midterm elections, which will place further economic pressure on, on Argentina's most vulnerable populations the government supported by higher soybean prices and the imf disbursement is expected to maintain its populist economic policies though uh, and this is likely to you know, see it to do well in previous chances in the election moving forward in november and that's about it for for this week from civil lines outlook as ever any further questions on this or anything else raised in this podcast please don't hesitate to reach out